Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. Aren't you so thankful for Bill Cusack? Let's show our appreciation for Bill Cusack. Huh? Feeling very embarrassed right now. I think what I just love about Bill is, um, no, <laughs> I do. I think you're a remarkable, incredible man. Um, let's pray for Bill as he comes to speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for what is on Bill's heart. Pray that he would speak from the overflow of it and that you would speak to our hearts and our minds that we might be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Isn't Mike great? What I love about Mike is the way that he loves encouraging people. He's just amazing at encouraging people, and he actually is amazing at leading ministry times. Um, one, of the th- one of the things that has been brilliant about this morning is we've had so many people who are part of the, normally part of the 6.30 evening uh, service team who are come and serving. They've been the people welcoming you at the doors. They've been the people serving you coffee, or some of them have. Uh, Mike is going to be leading again tonight. Um, and it's just... It's, and, um, we had someone from the um, evening service at the, at the first service this morning just do this amazing sort of s- song thing. So it's brilliant. I love it. That's what church is, isn't it? It's not one, we're not one service. We're multiple services, multiple congregations, worshiping Jesus together, doing, trying to work it all out together. So um, l- let, me, uh, let me read a passage of scripture for you, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll, and we'll see what happens. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 1 verse 24. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Father, we pray that you would speak to us this morning as we just begin to think about what it means to live a fulfilled life, standing on the truth of your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, uh, some of you, the observant amongst you, will have noticed that I've lost a little bit of weight since the beginning of January. Um, uh, and uh, Chris Kachani is one of my role models. He, like, he talks about going to the gym, and um, I dread to think how much weight he lifts, but probably quite a lot more than I do. And, um, and, and, but I, just being totally honest, like I looked at myself in the mirror in January and just felt a little bit embarrassed about the state that I'd allowed myself to get myself in. And, um, and so... I had a look on the internet. I did one of these kind of crazy diets a few months, a few years ago, and lost so much weight I started to look ill. Um, and but I decided I was going to try something different. So I stumbled across um, this website called sixpackabs.com, <laughs> and uh, I have not got six pack. Well, I ha- maybe I do. I don't know, but I certainly can't see them or feel them. Um, and uh, they t- talked about this thing called intermittent fasting. Now, if you don't know what intermittent fasting is, basically you one, two, or three days a week, and what you do uh, is, is, or four, um, is, you, is you fast from 10 o'clock one night until four o'clock the following afternoon. You fast for 18 hours. And then what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to then start by eating something really healthy, really nutritious, really sort of, you know, um, macro nu- uh, nutrition, macro, what's it? macro whatever jobbies, uh, rich, and all the rest of it, you know, with an egg or strawberries or Greek yogurt or something like that. 
And um, I know that's what you're supposed to do. But the thing is, by, four, by, by about 2.30 in the afternoon, like, my stomach is going crazy, my adrenal glands are on fire, and I'm just starving hungry. And I spend the next hour and a half looking at my watch, waiting for 4 o'clock to happen. And then what I do is I open the fridge. And um, we keep our chocolate in the fridge. And, uh, and, and so what, what, what I know, I, I see what I'm supposed to eat. But by that time in the afternoon, I'm tired and I'm hungry. Nikki says it's just been li living like a cra with a crazy man. Um, I, really moody and very moody. There we go. There we go. I'm better now. I'm over the worst bit. But, um, but um, I know the healthy stuff that I'm supposed to eat. But what I do is I go for the sugar hit every time. I just go for the sugar hit because it just feels so much better. Um, I, the first time I ever did fasting properly was when I was at um, HTB and we, we broke the fast with the Chinese. And like, if Sammy was there, I think it'd be fair to say I went, I, I, like, went into orbit, didn't I? It was like a whole different level of like, insanity and mania. Anyway, so imagine that three times a week and living with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we do that in life, though, don't we? I don't know about you, but we know what we should be feeding ourselves with. Uh, but we often go for the quick fix, the sugar hit in life, don't we? At least I, maybe it's just me. You're looking at me blankly. Uh, maybe I'm just talking to myself. But often we do the same. We go for the quick fix rather than to the one who is more than enough. We go for the quick fix rather than going to the one who, who is more than enough. And our challenge is, is that culture tells us that if we do this, or we try this, or we wear this, that our lives will be fulfilled. And what we need to remember is that we are not fulfilled by things. We are fulfilled by a person. We're not fulfilled by things. We are, and no matter how good they are, ultimate fulfillment comes in a person. It's not found in what we have, it's found in who we have. But the thing is, in order to believe a promise, you need to believe the person who's making it. I don't know about you, I know people and they say, oh, well, you know, uh, I promise I'll do that. And when I first got to know them, I totally believed that they would. And now I know them a little while, I have absolutely no confidence that they're ever going to do the thing that they promised that they'd do. Because it's not because they're, not that, they're bad people, but they just get busy and whatever. Um, and often, we have a view of, let me put it a different way. What you believe about God is the most important thing that you will ever believe. Because the story you believe shapes the life that you live. And many of us, uh, I think, believe that God is a little bit like Mr. Bumble from Oliver Twist. You know, we're starving and we're hungry and, you know, we go to him for more and he's just going to shout at us and be angry with us and be outraged that we would have the audacity to ask him for more. And God is just not like that at all. God is not like that at all. So who does the Bible promise that God is? What does he promise he's like? Psalm 100 verse 5, it says, He is good and his love endures forever, his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 136 says, His love endures forever. It doesn't say it once, it says it 26 times. So in case you didn't get the message, he is, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. If all you did was repeat that to yourself over and over again through the day, it would change your life. Psalm 36, verse 5, your love reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. 
His love is beyond measure. It is infinite. His faithfulness, if you look up in the, when you look up into the sky, that goes on forever. That is how faithful he is. He is faithful forever. We need to remind ourselves that he is more than enough. He is more than all we'll, we need. Look at the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus doesn't just scrape together enough to just about nearly kind of, you know, scraping the bowl feed 5,000 people. There's stuff left over. There's more than enough. There is too much. We, are the God of, we believe in the God of the abundant. You'll know the story well, but in Numbers chapter 13, verses 26 to verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 9, it talks about um, the people of God, and they are the edge of the promised land. God has promised them that he's got a place for them that's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's everything they've ever longed for. It's where he's going to dwell with them and be with them. And so what happens is they get to the edge. And then they send out some spies to go and check out the land to see what it's like. And these spies spend a little bit of time there. And then they come back and they come back and they've got this incredible fruit and they've got this incredible food. And they said, this is the most incredible place. You won't believe it. It's everything God said it would be. And it's more. But you haven't seen the cities that we are going to have to defeat. You haven't seen the enemy that we are going to have to fight. They are giants. We were grasshoppers in our own eyes. They were so close to the promise that they could see it, that they could smell it, that they could almost touch it. And what they did then is they, they looked at the enemy, they looked at the challenge, they looked at each other. The one person they didn't look at is the one person who made the promise in the first place. How often in life do we do that? God promises something and we look at all the reasons why not. We look at the obstacles that face us. We look at the people that we're going to have to deal with. And we become like grasshoppers in our own eyes. They saw the enemy. They saw each other. The only one they didn't see was the one who promised to be with them, who made the promise to them in the first place. It's so easy to do that, isn't it, in life, to do that. Like I said, we need to remember that he is more than enough. Because the story we believe about God shapes the life that we live in him. So often in my own life, I've gone elsewhere first. I've gone for the sugar hit in the fridge when I should have gone for the healthy option, so to speak. I have felt empty at times, and I have gone and I have filled myself, I have filled my life with stuff because I've forgotten that he promises that he is more than enough and he promises to fill the hungry with good things. There's been times when I've felt insecure and I have forgotten that he promises in the Song of Songs that it says, I am my beloved and his desire is for me. I've forgotten that. And I've forgotten that he is more than enough for my insecurity. There have been times when I've been anxious and I've been stressed. And I've tried to deal with that in all sorts of different ways. Not even bad ways. I've forgotten that he promises a peace that surpasses understanding. Because I've forgotten that his promise is more than enough for me. He is more than enough for me. There have been times when I've worried about my future, and I've forgotten that he's more than enough. I've forgotten that he promises that he's got a plan to prosper me and not to harm me. I've pro forgotten that he's promised to give me a hope and a future, and I've tried to manage or control situations because I felt afraid for the future. I've forgotten that he is more than enough. So what are some of the things that he promises? 
He promises in John 10, life in all its fullness. Now, life in all its fullness doesn't just mean the good life. Life in all its fullness means life in all its fullness. It means the good will be amazing and he'll be with us and he'll walk through the, the darkest, worst parts and he'll carry us in those moments. It's the good and the worst and everything in between in him, with him, him with us, in us. He promises that he is the bread of life. When we feel hungry, when we feel empty, he is the bread of life. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about bread, but you can have bread anywhere. You go anywhere in the world and there is some version of bread there. It may be uh, poppadoms. It may be naan bread. It may be an artisan loaf in Italy somewhere. If you have ever been to somewhere really posh, a really posh restaurant, they still offer you some sort of bread normally as part of the meal. If you've ever been to someone's home and they have nothing, and I've been to people's homes and they have nothing, they still seem to have a loaf of bread. Whether you are rich or whether you are poor, whether you have lots or whether you have little, there is bread, and that is the point. Jesus is the bread of life. He is universally available. He is available to anyone, anywhere, anytime. In my family, we eat it toasts. Well, I don't know because I'm eating a different diet. But, but, but we toast breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It is a staple. We can eat, you can have Jesus, the bread of life, at any time. He promises that he'll never leave us or turn away from us. There are situations when sometimes it's so easy to feel alone. Now, we may feel alone, but the truth is we are not alone because he has promised that he'll never leave us or never turn away from us. Hebrews 13, verse 5. If you are grieving or you are mourning or you are in pain, his promise is that he is close to the brokenhearted. His promises, he promises that he will come for all, the, all who mourn. He is more than enough. He promises that we will never be tempted or tested beyond what we can bear. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. So if you are struggling with temptation, he's with you. One of the most encouraging parts of the Bible, I don't know if you've ever read the book of Hebrews, but it talks about the fact that Jesus was tempted and overcame as a man. Not as God, but as man. And if Jesus could overcome as a man, and he lives in us now, we can overcome temptation in him because of him. Maybe you're here and you're facing a work challenge. Maybe you are being encouraged, in inverted commas, to do something that you know is sort of a moral shortcut. Maybe you're being uh, put pressure on to do something, to tell something that isn't quite true. Well, God's promise is, is that we honor him. He will honor us. And I have seen that in, in from my own life, in my friends' lives, over and over and over again. You make the difficult decision, and God is there on the other side of it honoring what you have done. I just want to be really honest and talk really personally um, for a few minutes. Oftentimes, I think we treat the promises of God like fortune cookies. You know, that's nice, and we sort of, you know, whatever, sort of, you know, that's a nice thought. We need to be people who build our lives, who anchor ourselves in God and in his promises because they are the things that will hold us when everything else is shaky. So um, I've got three boys and they're all amazing and I love them all. One of them is like the happiest child you've ever met in your life. He smiles when he wakes up, he smiles when he goes to bed, he smiles all day and he smiles all night. 
he's just happy. And um, he, um, he loved being at school with his, he's got, with his two brothers. He loved, he just lo- he's a real family person. He loves being at school with his brothers. And um, the school that um, they're all at, is, is, uh, we hadn't realized when we sort of put them in there that it's quite a, sort of, it's quite a pushy academic school. And um, it sort of became clear um, after he'd been there a little while that he was, it was actually making him anxious. He was not wanting to go to school. He was just feeling, he was just, and he's like the happy child, and he, would not, he wasn't happy. And as a parent, what do you do about that? And then um, we had a meeting at the school, and we, we just decided that um, it was probably best if we moved him. He wasn't being asked to leave or anything like that, but we, we learned that he was moderately dyslexic, so, which means he can, all, he can do the work, but he just couldn't do it at the rate and the pace of his friends. And I think it'd be fair to say, Nicky cried the whole way <laughs> through the meeting. I cried the whole way home and for about a week afterwards. And as a parent, if you're a parent, you'll know this. You, you, at least, you are only as happy as your least happy child. And, you know, what I, 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 I was having trouble sleeping. I was getting really anxious. I was getting really nervous. I was thinking, am I, uh, you know, are we about to ruin our son's life? Is this going to, you know, just these, you have these thoughts when you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning in, or 3 o'clock in the morning. And at 9 o'clock in the morning, they, you know, there's a rational explanation. You know, there's a ra- you can make sense. When you are on your own and you feel alone and you feel isolated and you feel scared, in the middle of the night, you need something to anchor your life in, to anchor that moment in. And I remember being up, this, I used to go for walks at like four in the morning because I could, just couldn't sleep. And um, I remember just God challenging me and saying, do you believe what I've promised? That's why, well, of course I do. But I knew I didn't. I felt him challenging me. He said, do you believe that what I said in Isaiah 44, that I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. He said, do you believe that? He said, do you believe that for your son that I have a future and a plan for him and it's full of hope? Do you believe that? Are you, are you anchoring, in this moment, are you anchoring yourself on that? And I had to say, I don't feel like I am, but help me to move beyond my feelings to what you have promised that is not just a fortune cookie or wishful thinking, but it is a promise for his life. And you know, the good news is, he's fine. It was, I'm not gonna lie, it was really hard. It was really hard. But he is absolutely thriving now. And with the benefit of hindsight, what I wish I could have told myself in February last year when I wasn't sleeping, when I cried all week, was that God had it. And that he has a plan and a purpose and a future. And he is more than enough. His promise is more than enough. Now, you may not have children or you may not be worried about your children, but all of us are wrestling with stuff. Some of you know what it's like to wake up in the middle of night. Some of you are doing that now. Find a promise and anchor your life in it. Because I promise you, otherwise your feelings will overtake you and overwhelm you. So what we're going to do now is we are going to watch a video. And uh, 
it's, if you want to know the website, it's called 365promises.com. And um, there are these videos. That, well, you can either get a promise from the Bible for every day of the year, or there are ones for, there are promises for different months, little videos. So I just pulled out the one for January. And what we're going to do is we're going to watch this together. And what I would love you to do, what I'm going to encourage you to do, is I'm going to encourage you to mine the video for a promise or two for your life. So at the end of this video, you can say there have been, there are one or two promises that I'm going to take in this season, and I'm going to claim, and I'm going to cling on to, and hold on to them, and I'm going to anchor my life in them, because I know the one who promised is faithful. And then at the end, we're going to, we'll see what happens. But let's watch this video, find a promise, get your phones out, get your notepads out, whatever it is, take a screenshot if it's easier, and take a photo of the screen, or just take a note, and we will continue after we've done that.